it's the El Nino year. Uh, I don't know what that means. It just means it's supposed to be a warmer, wetter winter than general for us. We're supposed to get more rain. So, side of the moon. Where is it? What is it? Nevada. You're right. 1969. You're right. Yeah. We were we really there? That's another one. That's um, another one that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah, we can't get. Yeah, we can't get past those radar belts. No. Um, Um, (laughs) Like I said, I am an amateur cryptozoologist. Um, So I I really do. (laughs) How do you say that with a straight face? I don't know. I I don't know. Um, I probably have like a plaque in your room, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, I went to the Branson Lyle Morton amateur cryptozoologist. Yeah, I went to Phoenix University and got my degree. South Harmon Institute of Technology. Hi, Hello. welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Season, season, season. Whoa. Gosh, dang it. Episode, episode five. I know it's going quick. Yeah, it's uh, it's been really fun too. So yes. it has been good. Uh, chances of having a guest on in the near future? Definite for sure. Next Definitely. episode we will have a guest. Next episode we will have yes. a guest. Yes, yes uh, that'll be an interesting one. I'm excited. Uh, should we hint a little bit at who it's going to be? I mean, yeah, we might as well. So No names yet, no but names. just maybe a little bit of background of yes. the human being. It is a gentleman that works in the shop, and he is a retired colonel from the Coast Guard. Yes. And he's done some pretty crazy stuff in his lifetime, and I'm, we're definitely going to talk about that stuff. Yeah. Um, he was a part of Deepwater Horizon, which for those of you who don't know, that is the BP, the blow, was that a BP? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he did that. So he flew for that. He was a chopper helicopter um, or a helicopter pilot. And then he has also flown through the one and only Bermuda Triangle. That's what I'm interested hint, in hearing hint. about. Wink, wink. Yeah. So. Uh, he may or may not have experienced some odd situations mm-hmm. while inside of that area of the Bermuda Triangle. So we have some research to do. Yeah. Uh, and then we will uh, we will get Dave on. And that's okay. That's okay. Not everybody knows Dave, but <laughs> we will have him on and uh, go into some interesting things yeah. that he has seen, not only in the Coast Guard, yeah. but in the Bermuda Triangle. Yes, and some of those crazy instances. It kind of fits the build of what we like to talk about in the second half of the show. Definitely. By the way, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. It's just a couple days before Christmas. Yes, Merry Christmas. Do you want to see my Christmas sweater? I do. Yeah, Santa came early. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. That is nice. I'll You're show, wearing one as well. I'll show mine oh, off yeah, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Illuminati. That's nice. That's yeah. Nice. That's Illuminati. Nice. Tis yeah. the season. Yeah. We got a little handshake of Look at the, that. Uh, of the that's beans nice. there. Yeah. I, I like that one. I do too. It's so nice. I wish it was in my size. It's an actual sweater too, and I'm pretty hot right yeah. now. Yeah. This so. is this is like a yeah. this is like a half a sweater. It's like more like a heavy, yeah. like a Hanes style yeah. um, thrift store shirt, I would say. But anyway, it's pretty nice. I'm sweating. Uh, it's really cold right now. Today yes. is like probably the coldest day that we've had so far. Yeah, it's yesterday like the, and today was really cold. Yeah, got down into the low to mid 40s last night, mm-hmm. freezing cold. Yeah, that's like the Arctic for Florida. So I think because our water is so shallow, it affects it. Like we have big temperature swings during the day. Like mm-hmm. on mornings where it's in the 40s or yep. 50s, like the water will warm up four, five, six degrees in a day if the yeah. sun if the sun's out. And again, yeah. it's gotta be good, like no wind, the sun's out. Once you get up on those flats and stuff, um, the water can change four, five, six degrees, I think, mm-hmm. which will drastically change the bite. Um yeah. probably just as much as the tides. Plus we're getting the crazy low tides right now, mm-hmm. the winter tides. So uh plus that big storm that came through last week. So we've yeah, had a lot happen storm. in the last week. Yeah, it's uh, been weird. So the tide was super low. Did you go down by uh 
down by the park and see kind of where the the storm surge all came up over the weekend. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we got wild. we got like the same amount of storm surge that we got for the hurricane, yeah. at least by us. Yeah, I know Oldsmar had a lot of water on the streets again. Mm-hmm. It got really high. Yeah, but that same day, the tide was so low, almost out to that channel by the Philippi Flat. Mm-hmm. It was super low yep. and then it got super high so it was like a 20 foot tide yeah it's kind of cool yeah it, i mean and it's it's a freak thing to happen because it's december we're five days before christmas this that doesn't happen very often right. it has of course but it's something that doesn't happen very often for us um but it's florida anything's possible so um on kind of on the docket today in line with um so the so the fishing we're in the full winter pattern i would say mm-hmm. now okay the the water water's cold. I, I don't know what the water temperature is if i had to guess i would say in the mornings it's probably upper 50s to low 60s yeah i think when adam and i went out two weeks ago it was like 65 okay and but we had bumped, not had a big cold snap we have not point. but it was still cold and then like you said it bumped up a few degrees yeah. as the day went around but yeah. it was still cold yeah so so wintertime pattern and then we'll get into uh kind of a continuation of last week but mm-hmm. instead of the instead of the on land cryptids i think mm-hmm. we should get into uh what may or may not live in the water and the craziness of the ocean and yeah. the unknown but mainly the unknown of the yes. ocean yeah and then how what we know about it and mm-hmm. what we know about it from the past might still play true to today just yeah. because of how much we actually understand i think there's a lot of people who are going to be surprised with actually how much of the ocean we've seen slash charted yeah so and not us you're talking about like no just no, no like yeah i mean the world in general science yeah, let's yeah. just uh, chalk it yeah. up to science how much science actually knows yeah. about the ocean so um winter winter patterns what mm-hmm. are your in let's keep it inshore i yeah. would say probably yeah. today so um the big three snook Redfish, mm-hmm. uh, trout, I guess we can spend a little bit of time on yeah. uh, if you want, but I would say snook and redfish are the big two. What what would you notice slash what are your, some of your go-to mm-hmm. kind of, give me give me your synopsis of winter fishing. Yeah. How do you go out and do it? What What's yeah. your approach? For sure. It, and and it's very interesting. We've talked about this and I love, I love wintertime fishing. I really do. Same. Um, it's fun. It's totally different than... It's similar to fall time patterns, I would say, you know, in terms of probably the the tides because the tides kind of start to change a little bit and it gets a little bit cooler. The summer is totally different because summers, it's always warm. It's the tides are pretty normal for the most part, you know. Um, But the biggest thing we hear in the shop is, and you're going to laugh when somebody from out of town comes in, well, what's running this time of year? You know, like what's running? Florida, there, there is no, there's no run. There's other than migratory tarpon. Yeah, that's it. There's always redfish, snook, and trout. Yeah, that it's three sixty-five. They're yeah. always here. But what they do in those seasons is totally different. Um, so let's let's start with let's start with snook. Yeah. Um. So snook in the summer, they're on the beaches. They're in those typical haunts, mangroves. Yeah. You know flat stuff like that whatever spots they can exactly. either either they're on the beach feeding yep. or they're back up under the mangroves yep. Coming getting back from spawning getting you know, away from the sun all that stuff yeah so snook in the winter i would say is where it literally changes completely and that's going to be probably one of the the species i would say that changes the most trout may be similar to that but snook fishing in the winter is definitely different because they're no longer on the beaches they completely leave the beaches unless they find that like one random fish, which you can from time to time, but snook are no longer on the beaches. They're going to be making their way 
if you're fishing in the intercoastal. Making their way downtown. Making their way downtown. Making their way through the hood, sipping this yak. Yeah. Um, yeah. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, they are going, in the intercoastal, typically, you're going to see these fish start to move into the, I guess, call it backcountry, the rivers, the creeks, the yeah. places where they're going to find deeper water that's a little yeah. bit warmer. I got this thing in my eye, and Uh-oh. I don't know what it is. Sorry. Go it's the, C- it's the CIA that's I, that's yeah. infiltrating our um, our podcast you, to make sure we're not um, giving away any secrets. Out. Yeah, we're yeah, good. You're good. Um, so, yeah, so normally those fish on the intercoastal are going to be making their way back to those creeks, those rivers, places where they can find some deeper water maybe, you know, lay up in the sun where they can stay warm because – snook need to be warm um every once in a while you know every it's, it seems like it's every like eight years we get a frost that kills like a million snook the interesting thing about that style of fishing is they definitely i would say they they eat less because when it gets cooler they get very lethargic yeah. and they're only going to feed i forget what what it is I, i've heard it before but they only feed like a couple times a month, I think it is, like three or four times a month. So like once a week or something like that. And then they're done. They're, they shut off. So typically they're, they're going to probably want to eat something maybe a little bit bigger. Now, of course, they'll probably eat a smaller presence, a paddle tail or something like that. Um, but in my opinion, I like to give them something that's more of a finger mullet style. Okay. Which is nice because in that style, in that sense where they're sitting – there's a lot of finger mullet because they're going to push back into those rivers and creeks and yeah. possibly a spillway um, where there's warmer water coming out, um, laying up on the sun, maybe around a jetty where some rocks are because those rocks will hold heat, yeah. you know? Um, so that's what they're going to, that's normally what I'm going to do in that aspect. And surprisingly, I'm going to, I'm going to throw a top, I'm going to throw a pencil. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to use a, a Yosuri pencil for that, that w- style. Would you say... A pencil is the best option. I kind of have a i I have my own theory on on wintertime artificial use. I would yeah. say. Um, I mean, you can't go wrong with with like a live shrimp. Especially like no. there's a lot of bait around in the bay right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it's glass minnows, but there is still some big thread fins mixed in. Yeah, but just like I I get a lot of really good tips and advice from customers yeah like just talking to guys that we've known for for a while i learn a lot from those guys Mm. a lot of them fish completely differently so just take yesterday for example i was talking to a guy yesterday we he's a boat customer of ours we sold him a boat a few years ago um uh, we sold him a lot of tackle over the years i would put him in the blue collar realm of fishing meaning he's a family man Mm -hmm. the family's usually out on the boat with him He's like a shrimp under a Cajun thunder kind of a guy. Yeah. Effective, catches yeah. a lot of fish. Of course. But that's his style of fishing. Yeah. Um, he told me yesterday he caught bait. Uh, he was out two weeks ago in the bay, mm-hmm. caught bait, um, but also had uh, shrimp with him. Didn't get a single bite. He says he sat and chummed just like just like some of the captains do, some of the yeah. bait guys. Sat and chummed, you know, mangrove lines mm-hmm. and didn't get – didn't get anything yeah and this is a guy that usually does that in the summer and does really mm-hmm. well but he said he caught every everything he caught he, he caught on shrimp so yeah. i think i i favor a shrimp pattern yeah uh, whether it's fly whether it's live bait throwing a live shrimp or yeah. whether it's throwing an artificial i yeah. would say uh a nat- more natural looking bait per se so, so where i guess where i fall really is 
the water's clear this time of year, especially mm-hmm. on flats. For sure. So I don't I don't want to transition. But maybe we should transition into redfish then. You want to transition That's into fine. redfish? The or do you have would, any other thing about yeah, snook? The only thing I would say about snook is I I agree with the color when it comes to shrimp. I don't I don't agree with the pattern. I don't like shrimp patterns. I like shrimp colors where that means like a a root beer or like a golden brim paddle yeah. tail, or like a Everglades special like that bait that bait fish yeah. pattern fly freaking crush it with yeah. snook that's awesome and that works for the bay as well um it works out here um the, the i would say the snook in the bay though the difference between those ones is they're going to be laid up on a flat in the sun not really moving too much maybe around at worse or better something so, like that. so that was my that was going to be my addition to your snook is yeah. usually this time of year um I've noticed it in the intercoastal, but like you said, I would sprinkle the snook more into that category mm-hmm. in the bay of laid up on a flat, not as much in the creek. Like Mullet Creek by where by where I live, yeah. they're in there year round. Yes. Yeah. So And it's because it's a spot where they find food. So they're yeah. gonna be there. You know? So so they're they're in there, they're in the mouth of that creek. You can pretty much guarantee yourself um, a fish on either a pencil or like a paddle tail. Yeah. Or a fly. You can pretty much guarantee yourself one small snook, 20, yeah. 25 inch snook, course, somewhere yeah. in that uh, in that realm. You know that. Um, take, okay. So, so now let's transport. Now we're on a boat. Let's mm-hmm. just say that. Okay. We're on a flat tides somewhat in the middle. And again, winter time for the most part, the tides favor the lower side. So yes. even the high tides are kind of low, yep. um, unless you get the full moon stuff, which mm-hmm. can either be on the higher side or on the lower side. Stupid it just depends. Yeah, yeah. It just depends. But yeah, this time of year when the tides are low, they are low, yeah. low. So when you take that skinny water, and this time of year, the algal blooms, algal, algal, whatever you call it, blooms are going to happen less because the water's cooler. So that that hot water that breeds that bacteria and that mm-hmm. fungus is not nearly as prevalent. Um, same with the runoff. We're just not getting as much rain. Now, yep. this year is probably going to be a little different. It's the El Nino year. Uh, I don't know El what Nino. that means. It just means but... it's supposed to be a warmer, wetter winter than general for us. We're supposed to get more rain. See. So, <clears throat> yeah, see, see, yeah. Nada. yeah. But generally... In a normal year, that's not a whatever, you know, Ninas, uh, Rio Grande year or whatever it yeah. is. Um, there's not nearly as much rain, so runoff is much less. The water's really clear. Is my mm-hmm. whole point. So that being said, when you're on a shallow flat, let's say we're pushing around, um, I see a lot of single fish, mm-hmm. um, single single redfish, yeah. single snook, yeah. and single trout. I don't see nearly as many trout in the bay that I do in the intercoastal. Um, especially on flats. So so take the intercoastal, uh, take the no-motor zones, for mm-hmm. example, Honeymoon and Caladesi. So pushing around back there, you see a lot of sheep's head, you see a lot of black drum, you mm-hmm. see a lot of trout, a lot of big trout push yeah. up into there. And the trout, really, I would say, concentrate in two places. The big fish are up sunning themselves on those shallow flats in that crystal, crystal clear water in the turtle mm-hmm. grass. They're, they're always laid down in grass. Yeah. I never see them on sandy areas. Yeah. But you also have like kind of single redfish, mm-hmm. maybe a double here and there. And a lot of snook doing the exact same thing that the trout are doing. Yeah. They're just sitting still, absorbing as much sunlight as they yes. can. Snook are a hot water fish, not a yeah. warm water fish, a hot water fish. Yes. They like it. The hotter, for sure. Like the the same areas that you see a snook in the summer in that stagnant bath gross water that's got nasty stuff floating on top, they're just fine there. Mm-hmm. Redfish, I would say, kind of have to keep moving. A snook can sit there yeah. forever. They yeah. love hot water. That's yeah. 90 plus degree water for in the sure. summer for us. Yeah. Um, redfish, I would say, generally come more alive in the fall than yes. they do in the heat of the summer. Yeah. So towards the end of the summer, fall, when the water gets back down into yeah. the mid-80s or whatever, yeah. that's when the redfishing comes alive here, at least for us, um, is the fall time. But this time of year, 
I think the sight fishing is the best that it ever is. For sure. Yeah. Uh, because the water's so clear, yep. because you get those really low tides, mm-hmm. I think the fish push up um, closer to to land per se, or mm-hmm. closer to mangroves. The lower the tide gets in the winter. Yep. So whereas maybe in the summer or or spring, the lower the tide gets, the further the fish push out. I think they they try to stay as shallow as they mm-hmm. can because of that sunlight, especially snook. Yeah, I would agree with that. So even if the tide is like super super far out, you know, they're typically what happens. And we, I guess we can transition to redfish now. Yeah. Kind of, we kind of did a little bit of everything. But one thing I've been doing in the bay is, and I love to sight fish wintertime in the bay. It's, it's awesome. When that tide's really really low, I like to look at what that bottom looks like. The reason why I like to do that is because when that tides out, you can see those those kind of canals and rivers yep. and edges that Prop those fish are that, yeah, are, that are that are sitting in. Because when it comes up, they're probably going to be sitting in there. Yeah. Um, but when the tide is out, those redfish are normally, like you said, edging along that water yeah, in the in the lowest they possibly can get. You know, um, because that's what they do. They're trying to find something. One really cool thing I think about our redfish mm-hmm. in the bay versus the redfish that I grew up fishing in the intercoastal. Yeah. Those fish out in the intercoastal tail a lot. You can find them tailing in the bay, no you doubt. Yeah. The fish in the upper, upper, and I mean, we are the utmost part of Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. Molesmar, Philippi yep. Park, um, that area. Those fish like belly crawl. It's they so don't sick. really tail. Oh it gosh. is awesome. Yeah. So to see a large redfish, mm-hmm. 30-inch redfish in like four inches of water just, where half of his back is yeah. out. He's not tailing. He's moving around. He's yeah. hunting still, yeah. but he's not tailing. Mm-hmm. That's It's completely different fishery. Yep. So I think for whatever reason, the fish, those fish favor that really, really, really mm-hmm. shallow, shallow water. They're yep. not scared of it. No. So, and they love it. And, they're, and what they're looking for is small crustaceans. Yes. that's That was going to be my my main hitting point of mm-hmm. winter across the board yeah shrink the patterns of anything would yeah. you agree with that yes except for the pencil okay. i would say yeah. keep the but keep the regular four inch pencil the pencil's elevated it is it's the greatest thing ever yeah. um it but no year-round. yes i would agree with that is where sometimes in the fall and the summer spring those redfish surprisingly in the bay will eat big patterns definitely in the winter i mean i'm using like size six I mean, my Looks, whole, I mean, they're small. And my flies. whole my whole thought, whether with a whether with a lure or with a fly, I I prefer to fly fish more this time of year because I think yep. the fish are also a little more on edge. Yes. Um, again, we have houses to go home to with heat when mm-hmm. it gets cold. Yep. These fish have to fight to survive the cold. Yeah. We don't have to fight to survive the cold. That's true. So. When our only thought is is get inside to where it's warm mm-hmm. and get something to eat, their only thought is get something to eat and get to where I can be warmed up. Yeah. So it's completely different. They have to search for that mm-hmm. stuff. So so I think those fish can be in a – especially snook can be in like a fight-or-flight mode yeah. a little bit more. Yep. Um, hint the, the lethargic snook yeah. this time of year. Yeah. But um, I like – sorry, as far as patterns go, I'm trying to find stuff – this is my thoughts. That's well camouflaged. Mm-hmm. Something that they have to work to find because yeah. I think those little, we have a lot of hermit crabs there. Mm-hmm. You notice that? Yes. A lot of hermit crabs, a lot of yep. mollusks, a lot of those snail type things. That's a things. good word, mollusks. Mollusks, yeah. yeah. Uh, like Wilfred Brimley, he yeah. looked like a mollusk. Yeah. The hermit crabs, though, are pretty small. Mm-hmm. And obviously they're in a shell. They're yeah. very well camouflaged. They are. But 
those redfish, I know they're eating those crabs. I know of they course. eat blue crabs in the summer yeah. and in the fall and in the spring they eat blue crabs. Yeah. I see blue crab claws, carcasses, mm-hmm. soft shells, all that stuff. I yeah. see all of that stuff. But my goal is a small pattern, whether mm-hmm. it's fly or whether it's um, like we sell a ton of voodoo shrimps, especially yeah. this time of year. Yeah. Guys catch sheep's head on them. We have the, yeah. the savage gear. Those too. little savage those little crabs, crabs. Those are so sick. They're so small yeah. and they're weighted. You can still throw them yeah. light action rod. Definitely. It's a small application. Yeah. But sight fishing, especially, yeah. the shallower you are, the spookier that fish mm-hmm. is going to be. So on a fly, a smaller crustacean pattern yeah. that's well camouflaged, nothing yeah. with orange tipped claws, no. things like that. It's like, no, you kind of want that thing to blend in where yeah. the only thing that fish can pick out is movement. Yeah. That redfish is not thinking about what that is. It just sees movement. Mm-hmm. And if it's a small movement, it's food, right? Yeah. So it's very unassuming. And I think like take the voodoo shrimp and the crab and put that in that category of a small crustacean fly that kind yeah. of blends in. Um, really, the only time of year I like to throw crustaceans would be would be now. And same yeah, with basically sure. anything but a pencil. It's like yeah. this is where I'll switch it up from a paddle tail or a or – a, um, pencil is to throw a small shrimp type representation mm-hmm. either that savage or that voodoo i'm sorry or like that that savage crab which i haven't tried yet but a lot of people are buying them They're so catching i think, a lot I, think fish, I, need, yeah. I think i need to i think yeah. i need to invest in that but um your 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 thoughts on patterns as far as redfish well yeah and and like i said before i don't like shrimp or crustacean patterns for snook i do for redfish so the fly that i've been using lately is a all black like strong arm merkin but a very very small one it's like a size six i think or a size four it's tiny on the bottom in the upper bay i mean the upper bay mud is like black already like it's a dark dark brown black it can definitely get nasty and that flies black and that fish is still finding it and not only is he finding it he is absolutely demolishing it i mean remember those fish that i was telling you i was catching i mean they were literally jumping out of the water almost after that fly they wanted it so bad i think using those small patterns darker colors is the the right move on that darker bottom now i've noticed that on the lighter because there are some areas where we fish where there's sand definitely um i've used a lighter presentation um a similar presentation same um, type of fly though more or less it's different but it's yeah yeah, i I, i'm not a i know which fly you're talking i'm not a secretive person this is the only time i won't say the pattern because it wasn't my pattern yeah it was somebody else's but it imitates a crustacean that you find in the bay um but it's like a light it's like a light tan almost a white yeah um I know which fly you're talking yeah, about. that one, yeah. Um, so it's very easy, but the nice thing about it is that it, it does exactly kind of what that strong arm merkin does, that small one. It just sits there, and those fish crush it. Yeah. Um, so, yes, with the redfish, I definitely, of course, which it makes sense. I mean, redfish like shrimp and crabs, so yeah. that's what they want to eat. Um, the other point to that, though, I will say is that when it does start to get fall time, and I still do in the spring from time to time, I use very light leaders. I'm using 12-pound ultra-premium yeah, fluoro. Same. Because it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. It does. Like, those fish are spooky. They want light leaders. So I'm using a 9-foot to 10-foot pre-tapered leader and then, like, another 2-foot section of uh, tippet because you need to. Yeah. So for my spinning stuff, I keep it the same, though. I keep I use 25 or 20. Yeah. But the fly is I've noticed that there's a big difference. I so. mean, do you fly fish more in the winter than spin fish? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, me too. Yeah. That's this is probably yeah. the only time of year where that happens, that yeah. in tarpon season. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I I would I would probably say I'm like ninety percent fly. And again, I'm not fishing a ton, yeah. but um I'm like ninety ninety percent fly mm-hmm. this time of year, just because I think it's more effective. Yeah. Um 
even though you can't cast as far, I think it's more effective. Still, though, you're going you're gonna to catch. I think you're going to catch more fish. What about so. trout? I mean, I don't want to waste a bunch of time on trout. No, well, this is. But I think there's a good quality trout tr- yes, this tr- time of year. I will say this. Trout fishing is a waste of time. I really do. I think it is. Except wintertime big trout. When you're sight fishing trout, them. When you're sight fishing yeah. them. That's the only time I like it. There's no doubt that I think in the winter my favorite st- fish to go after is redfish and then probably triple tail, which is totally different. Yeah. But trout is cool because I've learned how to do it, um, I think, and where those big fish sit. So I've only caught one trout in the bay. Yeah, I've never And it was up in the outflow. It was weird. It, like, it was random. It was kind of a big fish. It was, like, 22 inches. Yeah, that's a good um, fish. Yeah, no, it was nice. But, like, other than that, I've never caught a, I've never caught a trout in the bay. I've never caught one yeah. in the bay. Um, so most of my wintertime trout fishing has been up in northern part of the county, like Anclo and Newport yeah. Ritchie. There are some really, really big fish there. And the reason why I think there's big fish is because there's more rocks. Yeah. So they sit on them. Yeah. And also, too, this is interesting. I've seen a lot of big trout sit in schools of mullet and imitate like a snook almost. Sit below the school, per se. And you can in the kind of pick them it. out. Yeah, you can. Because they're darker than the Yeah, mullet, they are. Obviously. And they're huge. I've seen like 30 inch trout like in these schools. So that's the. In the. So more or less, I grew up trout fishing. Mm-hmm. Like we would catch a couple of redfish a year. And yep. again, I didn't, we didn't, none of us knew what we were doing mm-hmm. at this point, but um, me and my brothers and dad, like trout was a guarantee pretty much every time we went yep. out, regardless of live bait or like we used a lot of gulp back then. Nothing yep. wrong with gulp, by the no, way. No, no, gulp's um, a killer. I mean. And we would catch them pretty much the same way. We would, we would look for the obvious places, which were yeah. spoil islands yeah. and yeah. just really anywhere Drift where there the was. flats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and just as you changed you know, you you got further out, you started to change. So we'd fish a lot in Ozona, and we'd fish a lot those northern spoil islands mm-hmm. where the rocks were because there wasn't a lot of rocks on the yeah. spoils that were south of the causeway. The ones north, especially like the fourth and fifth spoil mm-hmm. island, like it's a, that's Pat's spot, the fifth spoil island. Of course, yeah, years. And and but but it's interesting because Pat's thoughts behind it is, and again, it makes sense. It's kind of like what we said. There's a lot of rocks up there. Mm-hmm. And specifically, those rocks are very dark. Mm-hmm. They attract a lot of sunlight. Yeah. The water is very clear out there. Remember when we ran in from triple tail fishing? Yeah. We ran past that sailboat yeah. and uh, looking for more triple tail. Which How'd that work out for us? Yeah. I don't know. Why don't you tell everyone how it worked out for us? <laughs> it sucked. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, I had a blast that day, though. Triple tail fishing, second to none. Yeah. Highly recommend yeah, it. It was a blast. It's the best. Let's do it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but the, uh, the water was really clear out there, too. Yeah. And those fish, def- that, that's how I grew up doing it. I fish those yeah. spoil islands. I fish basically kind of like the northwest corners of them is generally, for whatever reason, those are all man-made islands. So the rocks were probably just pumped in the same spot on mm-hmm. the islands. But a lot of big trout, you could yeah. see schools of them out there, especially yeah. when the water was really clear. So we would fish those spots. We would fish drop-offs and drift flats, things like that. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, catch four, four, 13, 14, 15-inch trout, mix in the occasional 18, 19, 20. Yeah. We'd eat a few we'd catch a couple of redfish a year type of a thing. Yeah. But then once we got the boats, basically once we, once me and Alex got mm-hmm. into the John boat thing, we started to see in the no motor zones, the big trout that mm-hmm. were acting like a true game fish. Yeah. So they were up there hunting yeah. single fish, yeah. big fish. Yeah. 
it was it was actually I hate to say it it made trout fishing kind of fun. No, it is fun, and I like to do that. Yeah. I don't like to do the other stuff. Um, yeah. We didn't talk about this too. Triple tail fishing. I smoked like three buoys out there. Do you remember that? Yeah, you hit yeah. three, and, yeah. and and we they somehow didn't get caught. Yeah, <laughs> I know it was the absolute luckiest. I was, luckiest thing I was I've very ever seen. very lucky. Um, no, so like yeah, that's that's where I liked that's where i learned to I like the, tr- the trout <laughs> the trout fishing um yes please i would like one thank you so much yeah, you're, a nice you. you're a nice man um is going up to newport ritchie and clot in port raunchy yeah exactly yeah it's a third world country like once you hit the line holiday the line. holiday line it's a dumpster it's fire it's rough yeah it is rough <laughs> it's rough um but going up there and it's interesting if you've never done it before i would recommend it going back into like those creeks and rivers where up. brandon fishes yeah, a lot dude. i've never done it those and big that's, fish that's on my list sit of, up like, there the next couple of weeks it's really cool so there's Thank a you. lot of rocks there's oyster bars wait Thank pause you so much sir pause yeah that was nice that was really nice <sighs> that's good. um but going back up in there and it's tricky because it's it's shallow there's rocks and you got to know what you're doing yeah but once you find those it's kind of like creeks and rivers and stuff you can bomb paddle tails in in top waters and catch consistently twenty five plus inch trout up there, and they just sit and just wait for bait to come through. Um, Would you say the the trout get fired up more in the winter than they do any other time? Yes. Why yeah. is that? I don't know. I, again, I don't know the the science or the history of the trout, so I, I don't, don't know. know if they're cousins or whatever of the freshwater trout. Because the trout are trout. Yeah, the trout are trout. They're drum. I didn't They're know related that. to redfish. Hmm. Redfish are just glorified carp. We all know that. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But like, so so take like Texas or Louisiana. I've seen mm-hmm. the videos of the guys that go out and they wade. Yeah, they like, drive their hundred thousand like, dollar boats out and yeah, get and then out hop and out of it. Yeah, they're freaking the their SCBs and stuff, and they they hop up into water like yeah. to their chest and they're fishing like this, you know. But they catch absolutely giant yeah trout and they catch piles of them, hundreds of fish a day. And they're all huge. Yeah. I would do that in a heartbeat. That looks like fun. Yeah. We don't have that kind of stuff. No, here. we don't. But it also gets colder there yes. than it does here most of yes, the time. For sure. Um, I, I just think it's something about that cold water brings them in from maybe up north. Maybe they, you know, mig- migrate down here they're from like the snowbirds of fish. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. But that's the only time that I would say that I enjoy to trout fish is when it's like that. Winter and it's that shallow water and yes. you're looking for those big yep. fish. What do yeah. you say? Yes, yeah, only time oh, we enjoy yeah. snowbirds. If they're not on the yeah. road or voting here. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. snowbirds also do, they help us out in the shop for sure. They definitely, same with the car wash. Yeah, yeah for sure. Definitely. So we, we like them when they do that. Yeah, um, not in the left lane but, of 19. No, definitely not. So um, that's my my two cents when it comes to trout fishing in the winter. What uh, any Anything else What anything else that you would add into any of the, like the winter, what tips, patterns, secrets, um, anything else you want to sprinkle in um, wintertime stuff? Because I think we have a very interesting topic. We do. For our next subject. For sure. Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I don't really have any, like, secrets, I would say. I would just I would just tell you that, yeah, it's freaking cold. Suck it up and fish. I mean, like, you, you need to get out there. Yeah. And you're going to catch fish. If you if you see snook and they're, they're sitting there, throw a topwater. Watch well, the middle of the day. Don't care. Don't care. Throw, throw the top, top water. water year round yeah. and and all day. Yeah. Don't just throw it in the morning and the evenings. Yes. Yeah. If there's redfish, use a smaller pattern. Use lighter leaders. You're gonna catch them probably. So there's a good chance you're gonna catch that fish. Um, I have one thought. I want to bounce this off of you and see what you think. Do you think 
the f- okay so i think we kind of answered it with snook they tend not to eat as much when the water's cold yeah yeah would you say redfish are the same way like would you say that, I, I say that to say do you think the fishing's tougher in the winter because things i've been hearing from some of the captains that come in that they're seeing a lot of fish i can attest to this yeah uh the last time i went out i saw two giant schools of fish yeah i got shots at both schools yeah I got skunked. Now I do suck at fishing. That's true. We do suck. Yeah. But would you say the bite is tougher? Like we had, we had that that one guy, um, probably the most talented um, captain, been doing it the longest that comes in here, who probably, if any, very rarely gets skunked, mm-hmm. has been skunked like twice in the last month. I think dude may- fishes a lot. Too. Yes, he does. Maybe it gets tougher, but I think for him. Yes, I think in that instance, he's on the water so much, it is tougher. For us, though, that aren't out as much, we still think summer and fall time patterns. We think that that's mm. what we need to use, and we get that stuck okay. in our head. We are not willing to change our patterns and how we fish, and I think that's why we catch less fish. So you would say it's more us not being able to yeah. adapt I think to it's our fault. what the fish are changing, because the fish change every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, you can you can go visit the same school. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like tarpon. You yeah. can go out and see the same fish one day. They're perfectly happy, and yeah. you can get them to eat. And then yeah. the next day, you might see the same group of fish yeah. that's moving in the same circle, and yeah. they're just – they got lockjaw. Well, I mean, think so all – the person you're talking about is Austin, correct? Yeah. Austin McWhorter. He yeah. is probably the, one of the best captains, if not the best captain we know in the bay. Um, he just knows his stuff. We were fishing not too long ago, and we were using patterns that – he was catching fish on yeah and he's like it's not working and he just went out on a whim he's like try this fly it was a permit fly it was a giant permit crab and this redfish jumped out of the water and crushed it and he's like well i guess i'm throwing permit crabs for the rest of the season and sure enough he was catching fish on it so it's changing what we're doing don't be afraid to change patterns and and maybe get outside of the box a little bit exactly so the traditional like we have a lot of flies in the case um and a lot of lures on the shelves that that all are theoretically supposed to accomplish the same thing, which mm-hmm. is catch a targeted species of fish yes. or yeah. or a group of targeted fish. Um, but every once in a while, so oh, perfect example. Um, went up to the Panhandle this summer, mm-hmm. 30A, Becky's. Oh, yeah. And uh, they have a very unique fishery up there. And it's it's similar to, they have an ocean side. So the, the Gulf beaches, there's really only two boat launches up there, uh, mm-hmm. Panama City and Destin, and those are like 35, 40 miles apart. Yeah. Um, but there's a few guys that can that have permits you can launch off the beach, which is crazy sketchy. Well, that's wild. Uh, yeah, it's kind of wild. That. But they also have these these dune lakes. And the dune lakes are brackish lakes that every once in a while, especially, it's kind of like their outflow. Think, okay. of, think of it like that. So the, it's a watershed that catches a lot of rainwater hmm. and will flow into the ocean. So you get these big washout points that are naturally created hmm. of this tannic water washing out into the hmm. ocean. So a lot of guys will like uh, pompano fish the mouths of those because Sick. it will wash out. There's tons of blue crabs. There's hmm. But anyway, basically, there's there's bass, there's gar, there's gators, there's sharks, there's huh. redfish, there's trout. No snook, obviously. They don't yeah. have snook. There's tarpon in them, though. Yeah. So yeah. And again, that's pretty much a year-round fishery because for the most part, they're landlocked. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but again, how they get in there, again, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not going to go into that part of it, but, yeah. um, long story short, um, I had my fly rod up there. I had some flies, uh, that I took up there from here, taken up there from here. 
And uh, so I, I got into a school of redfish. And again, it's kind of crazy because I wade in these lakes and there's sandbars and stuff in them. And then it drops off. It's 30, 40, 50 feet deep in some mm-hmm. of the spots. But there's areas out by the beaches where there's like sandbars and you can see sight fish. And redfish school up just like they do any other place in the bay and stuff. The redfish yeah. up there is phenomenal, by yeah. the way. Um, in like Choctawatchee Bay and stuff. There's a mouthful Because I'm in you. Indian Outlaw. Well, if you go out there Cherokee enough. Cherokee and yeah. Choctaw. Yeah, well, she's a Chippewa. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, God rest his soul. Yeah. No, he's not dead. No, he's not dead. No, that's that one dude that died in a helicopter crash. I'm sure. Country singer. They all sound It's all the same, the same yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, so anyway, so I, I went to this fly shop there, and I uh, was talking to the guy, um, just kind of telling him what I was using, and he just is kind of like, I can tell he's listening to me just for spite. Yeah. And uh, that everything I was telling him was going in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And I just said, hey, you have any patterns you recommend? He walked to the tarpon flies and gave me two, like, black and purple tarpon toads that were, like, five inches long, four or five inches long. He's yeah. Like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. Hmm. They just had, like, the the bead eyes. They weren't bead chains, so they yeah. weren't the sinking. Yep. They were the floating. It worked. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, see, that's the thing is like we get in our head that like this is what needs to yeah, work. Yeah, this is what's supposed to yeah. catch these fish. Yeah, and so. it. I bet people come in here all the time and think that when we tell them stuff. In fact, I've heard it. They're like, "No, there's no way." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." I mean, yeah. I, I would I would use it, but yeah. you know, maybe throw seven or eight or twelve. In yeah, it, you know, get outside the box. Yeah, you want to put the hat on? I'm ready. All Let's right, put do the it. Hat. All right, so last week mm-hmm. we talked about cryptids, two legged, land based. Yes. In the Bigfoot variety. You had an interesting idea for today. I did. And it lines up with that, mm-hmm. but it's much wetter. Yeah. That is, was cheesy. That, anyway. that was very right, cheesy. Um, so, I, I like I said, I am an amateur cryptozoologist. Um, so, I, I really do... En- <laughs> How do you say that with a straight face? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, I you probably re- have like a plaque in your room, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, I went Branson, to the... Branson yeah. Lyle Morton, yeah. amateur cryptozoologist. Yep. Yeah, I went to Phoenix University and got my degree <laughs> South in... Harmon yeah, South Harmon Institute of Technology. South Institute of Technology. We're the sandwiches. <laughs> um, no, but I like truly enjoy this stuff. Like, yeah, it's I, fun. I, I fun think it's very about. interesting, and I think that there's a lot of things that could possibly be real. Um, so when I presented you this idea of what we we're going to talk about today, I asked you, what do you know about the Megalodon? Okay, pause. Yes. Let me preface this by saying, of anything we've talked about so far, yeah. this to me seems like the most likely yeah. of any of it. Yeah. Here's why. Go for it. Here's a fun fact. Yes. I know you know this, but I'm going to tell everybody else. Yeah. As of 2022, the end of 2022, I know this is a year later, but I don't think you can add a percent into this. No, definitely not. We have explored or mapped, okay, 5% Mm -hmm. of the ocean floor. Yeah. By the way, that 5% represents the shallowest spots. Do we know that certain areas exist that are deeper than that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Of course. Have we mapped them? No. Yeah. Have we explored them? No. No. Have we been to like the Mariana Trench before? Yeah, they've sent subs down there. Yeah. But again, you're talking about sending something the size of a smart car mm-hmm. into an area that's that's larger giant. than Mount Everest. Yeah. But but, but even wider. Yeah. Like yeah, you can fit Mount Everest into there however many times, yeah. but but how wide is that expanse? It's huge. The ocean is giant. Yeah. It is huge. Yeah. At this point in time, what they're telling us, mm-hmm. 
That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. Yeah. They've only mapped slash explored 5% of the ocean. Yeah. Which we know more about and have mapped more of the moon than we have. Have we? Yes, we have. Dark side of the moon. Where is it? What is it? Nevada. You're right. 1969. You're right. Yeah. We were we really there. That's another one. That's another um, one that we're going to talk about. Oh yeah. We can't get. Yeah. No. We can't get past those radar belts. No. Um, um, but never no. been to the moon. Uh, sorry. Go. <laughs> go. All right. Continue. Sorry. Man. My so, ADD's kicking No. You're, you're right though. I mean, yeah. we know so little about the ocean, and this is where I was kind of going with it. Yes, we are going to talk about the megalodon. And for those of you who don't know the megalodon, the megalodon is a giant prehistoric shark it's essentially a giant prehistoric great white shark that they know that it could have got up to 60 60 feet in length if not larger yeah um but but that's one that we know existed because yes. there's fossils everywhere. yes um so the reason why i think that these things can very well exist because we only know five percent of the the ocean itself yeah. um so the interesting thing, we'll start with the megalodon, and we'll go into some other species as well. Um, so the megalodon was a prehistoric shark, um, roughly 60 to 80 feet in length, um, very big. They think that this thing could very well still be around because the larger a great white shark gets, the deeper it can dive and the longer it can stay under. That's okay. Which is very interesting. Okay. Um, if, With that being said... A sixty foot to eighty foot shark. I need to check something. Could really yes, quick. you can about about that that thing that island I told you. No, I just I just remembered what yep. it is. So no, you're good. good. So if a if a great white that's twenty to thirty feet. I think the largest great white we've ever found is like around thirty foot or something like that. It's like twenty eight. Mary. Yeah, it's a giant. That fish could stay down in depths for a very very long time that we in a submarine could not last. Why couldn't a megalodon that's 60 to 80 foot be in the Marianas Trench or in these deep depths that we can't get to and stay down there forever and just chill and relax and possibly use the hollow earth to move and move back and forth as well, which so is another thought. The that we largest can... confirmed white sharks yeah. come in around. And again, this isn't a fact. This is just what they're measuring mm-hmm. based on what they see Yeah, is around 20 or 21 feet. That's a tank. Yeah. yeah that's as of August of 2023. Yeah. That's a giant shark. Do, do great white sharks really get as big as Jaws? Read here. No, oh, there we wire. go. That's a nice one. I like that. Um, no, so that's another. That's one of the thoughts and one of the reasons why I think that a megalodon can still exist because there's, one, places in the ocean that we have no idea what they look like in the depths we can't reach. These sharks that are real, great white sharks are real, as far as I'm aware, oh, oh yeah. um, can dive, super, supposedly, can dive thousands of feet the bigger ones can go even deeper than, I mean, they can be down there forever and us not even know about it. Yeah, so, so, so theoretically what you're saying is is the bigger and older a shark gets, the more time it can spend in deep water. Yes. So let's just assume or let's just say that there is a shark that is larger than mm-hmm. 30 feet. Yeah. Call it a meg if you want. Yeah. It can live and completely exist 100% of its life in areas where it will never be seen yeah. by us or yeah. surface or anything like that but but then again there's plenty of areas that we don't spend regular time mm-hmm. at or have regular mapping of or regular um patrol site whatever you want to call it yeah. in the ocean where that thing can come up and feed if it wanted to on birds whatever's on the surface whatever. and again yeah. i don't know we would never even know but at the same time to get like king kong with it yeah king kong fought a big shark didn't he probably no it was a big gator mm-hmm. i don't i don't know something like that 
Um, but it, it can completely live its life, including its food, down deep. Yeah, for sure. Which begs the question, what else lives down there that's big? Exactly. So we'll, so the Meg is very interesting. Yes. But in my thoughts, if there was a Megalodon, yes. it's not the biggest creature that lives down there. Yes, I agree. And I have a reason to believe that. Yes. One other fact I'm going to bring up with the Megalodon. So in the early 2000s in Australia, there was a research team that put a tracking device on a, I think it was a nine nine foot great white. Okay. That's a big shark. I mean, oh, was this the one? That, uh, never mind. Sorry. So I think I know it. a nine foot shark, they put a tracking device on it and let it do its thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, this shark transmitter went from like 300 feet to like 3000 feet in an instant. Something ate it and swam down. The it also had the temperature tracking on it. So it went it was from dropping temperature super. Quick. Yes, it, it dropped and then it got super warm. At like 7000 feet, it got eaten by something and then swam way down deep. What could eat? A nine-foot shark hole. Well, the only thing... A the, bigger shark. Well, so so there's that, but then the the truer side of me would say a sperm whale, mm-hmm. because sperm whales are huge. They could eat something nine-foot in one bite if they want to, and look at... They're already used to fighting for their prey, because yeah. sperm whales eat what? Giant squid. Yes. Um, and squids in general. And again, you can... The, the ones that are studied have scars, especially mm-hmm. the older ones. Yeah. You know they sleep with their tails down? They sleep... Like this. Yeah, it's super weird. It's cool. It's yeah, I've seen awesome. pictures. It's yeah, really, it's, it's really awesome. weird. Yeah. But A, they're huge. Yeah. B, something nine foot they could definitely yeah. eat in one bite. C, they dive really deep mm-hmm. to get their food anyway. They don't That's eat true. stuff on the surface. They yeah. eat squid. So all I'm saying is, is, is it more likely that it was a sperm whale? I don't know because I don't know where this thing ended up disappearing at. Yeah. Are sperm whales around that area or are sperm whales in a different – are they are they colder water? Or I, 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 yeah. Again, I don't know. I'm not yeah. – my wife's a marine biologist. Maybe she could tell me about it, but she used to just like collect dead manatees, like for work. That's what she did. Basically, and sacks of meat. You, yeah. you know what? This is crazy. So, she was on the rescue team at, mm-hmm. at Clearwater Aquarium uh, for a few years. I so remember. She would, so, so she was for twenty grand a year. <laughs> she it's was like on, a dollar she, an hour. She basically, she would. It was kind of like a doctor where. It would rotate. She would be on call, mm-hmm. and then like one of her other teammates would be on call for three yeah. days. So like for three days, she was on call. Yeah. Well, like I don't know, probably five times yeah. um, over the course of like her working there after we were married, which was only a few months. She yeah. got called like in the middle of the night. For I stuff. remember, yeah. So she would go, and mainly most of the calls were just somebody would report they see like an animal in distress. Yeah. Most of the time, it was a dead animal. Yeah. So it was a dolphin. It was a manatee. Yeah. Uh, they had some pilot whales, which, uh, and then they had this, uh, which is a, a, a whale that's here, and yeah. they're always here. Yeah. Um, they're around offshore mo- mostly. They got this weird, like, Pacific species of dolphin, hmm. um, which that was kind of a cool story because they actually ended up saving it, and uh, it survived, and they took it to, like, a deep dive tank. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it probably got released at this point, but they took yeah. it to, like, this deep dive tank at SeaWorld, which was yeah. pretty cool. So, anyway, she got to do some cool stuff. For the most part, it was just, like, collecting dead things. Yeah. So basically, they had their own vehicles and boats mm-hmm. and things like that. Usually, FWC or Coast Guard would meet them out there. Yeah. Here's our tax dollars. Yeah, yeah. collecting dead animals. Thanks, boys. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So, so she would go in there, and uh, she told me that a lot of the dead manatee calls. She she rolled up on this one, and they determined it was a female, and it was beached, and there was a bunch of other manatees around that knew that there was this one that yeah. was 
up there. And again, did they know it was dead or not? They pull this thing out with this boat, and they're pulling it back to the boat ramp. And she just said it, it's all males, and they were just humping the heck out of this dead <laughs> one. She said it was the grossest thing she's ever seen, smelled. It was, she said it was like a whole group of them because yeah. they made in big groups like that. Yeah. And apparently it was I've made in season. Yeah. Or they ma- she said it's common, too, to get mated to death. Yeah. Where it's just like this big, like big old man at the G- orgy, GB, yeah, yeah, you know, basically going on, and this one female just ends up dying or whatever, so, and they're just humping the crap out of this thing. But anyway, that's a, that's a, that's a fun, that's just a fun, yeah. fun side story. But, um, but anyway, okay, so great white sharks getting eaten that are tagged and mm-hmm. going down yep. way deep. Yeah, w- what else lives down there? Well, so that's the interesting thing about it too is we know that. And we'll kind of segue to another species that I think is out there. We all know that there is such thing as a giant squid. Yes. We know that's real. Yeah. Giant squid. Um, There's also the other, um, the colossal squid, which is essentially a giant squid is longer. I think the colossal squid is just, just girthier. Um, So, which is interesting to think about a girth of squid. Um, But they know that. It's not always about length. Sometimes it's about girth. You're right. Um, But giant squid they know that they get up to 100 feet long. Yeah. Like, this is, they're, this is they're fact. They're two long tentacles, whatever yes. those are. Yeah. This is fact. And they've seen only, like, a handful of times in the history of scientific data, they found some that are, like, 40 feet. I think one of the biggest one they found some was, like, 60. Some that have 60. washed up on beaches and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it, they're very, very elusive. Yeah. Um, but they know they're real. And like you said, they fight whales. They have scars on them. They know that this is real. So why can this thing elude us for so long, and why can't something the same size elude us as well? Are you hinting at the octopus? I am hinting at the octopus, yes. This one is the one that if I was down at the depths of the ocean, Mm -hmm. a shark would not scare me nearly as much as, yeah, maybe looks-wise, but I guess knowing what I know about an octopus, smartest one of the smartest, the smartest invertebrate in the world. But yeah, look at that giant octopus, the Tasmanian 10 days on look at that wagon giant maori i don't care yeah disinterested i can't pronounce it i'm not interested sorry but that was the one that's that would terrify me Mm -hmm. the most because they are so smart they are for sure and we there are big octopus out there wagon yeah giant pacific octopus what is it the red pacific no that one right there yeah giant pacific octopus they can get up to 16 feet long that thing's an octopus not a squid there's a big difference by the way thank you yes there is. As June of this year, that's not a very big one either. They can get to 16 feet is yep. what I read. So octopus are very interesting because, and there's a few points I'm going to bring up. So the first one for me is fossil records that recently were shown. Mm. So octopus nowadays, they do this thing around their houses, their caves, their nests, whatever you want to call it, where whatever they eat, they create a ring around their home of the, this is pretty intense. Of the bones that the, of their victims of yeah, their make of a their pudding feet. from the yeah. bones of Americans. Exactly. Who yeah. would want a crunchy pudding? So they do this around all of their nests. They put the bones in, in a circle in a ring. They've found fossil records of essentially giant caves, giant areas where the same thing happened with larger bones. With larger bones. So they think that there was. I mean, this is pretty good evidence that I would say. That's why it freaks me out. I man. know that there were giant octopus back then that were doing this, these like things big are, fish. These things are ridiculously yeah. smart. So there's that one dude, Mark Rober. Have yeah. you heard of? Okay, have you seen? He has a pet octopus, and he built that like yeah. whole like system of like obstacles for mm-hmm. this thing. And they're geniuses. They figure it out. They figure everything yeah. out, they, and they can shrink their bodies and fit through. Yeah, a little tight. 
little tight opening or yeah. something. So, so I mean, that is, that's clear evidence that at one point that these things existed and they were eating like giant plesiosaur, which plesiosaurs are like 30 yeah. feet long. So, it's a Leo Pluridae. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> no, I know. Char- from the uh, Charlie the Unicorn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah. Leo Pluridae. Yeah. <laughs> But you so see a leopard on yeah Pull back a leopard on back back in the day so these things were already real yeah there's giant squid that are 100 feet long that we still can't see why could there not be these yeah exactly yeah yeah, yeah. I'm in it's like a um, whale and a gator mix. like a mosasaur yeah which is another one that could possibly exist no Never but heard of that um the, so if a squid can elude us why can't a giant octopus elude us. This just came to me. Yeah, let's hear it. So you're talking about fossil records and yes. stuff. We found fossils on land. They find megalodon teeth in rivers, mm-hmm. way up in rivers, yeah. in the middle of like Arkansas, Missouri, yeah. things like that, Mississippi. Imagine the fossils that are on the ocean floor that we've never seen before. Exactly. How many species have we not discovered yeah. that either still exist today or yeah. existed at some other point? So we we have the, all these ideas of these sea creatures that we somewhat have fossils of, but it's like, where did we get the fossils? Have we been to the deepest parts of the ocean? Yeah. Explored it enough the to find... Did the Titanic actually happen, though? I mean, that's really... But like... that, even, that, that creates even Dun-dun-dun. more of a mystery, though, because if they dissolved... What lived and died and somehow maybe went exactly. extinct no. that will never... It's funny you bring that up. So this was another point that I had. So when uh, Christopher Columbus was sailing the ocean blue... Yeah. when he it, came and discovered uh, Tampa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Chris, Columbus yeah. discovering Tampa yes, in like yeah. 1800. That is a fact, yeah. Um, so, uh, no, this, this, is, this is interesting. So all of the old-time maps and charts and things that we see mm, from way back yeah. in the day, the 1400s, 1600s, 1800s, they all depict, for whatever reason, sea creatures. Krakens. Yeah, the, the Kraken. Yeah, no, but seriously, like sea creatures attacking these boats. Yeah. Why would... and, and But again, okay, so take the boat thing. What generally was attacking the boats? Giant octopus. octopuses, yeah. right? Giant yeah, or, squid, giant octopuses, yeah. crack, whatever yeah, you want to call it. The Leviathan, giant fish, but weird creatures that were attacking these boats. Why would they add that on to these parts of the maps? You know, it's very interesting. My th- my thought is that these creatures existed during that time, and they still exist today, but they were attacking boats more often then because there was less boat traffic, meaning that they were up on the surface mm, okay. being around because there was less stuff to mess with them. Oh, yeah. And they were attacking these boats. Now there's giant tankers, so they're like, okay, now with I'm an just engine go down. constantly with buzzing, engines. and and, and yeah. you know how far um, sound travels, super so, far. So theoretically, something on the ocean floor. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can hear things underwater for miles and miles and yeah. miles. Something that loud, Vaseline tanker that's yeah. going across the Atlantic all the time, or going from Africa to here, or whatever the case may be, with its engines constantly buzzing, mm-hmm. things on the ocean floor over the deepest part can probably hear that yeah. seven miles deep, yeah. right? So I know it can travel more than seven miles underwater. Yeah. So you think that's keeping things at bay? There, like, I think so. Is there anything big enough to take down something that size, a Vaseline tanker? Well, so this is another interesting <laughs> story. So there are – we, as well, like scientists and NASA – does like mappings and readings of the ocean and like sound recordings. Yeah. There has been 
a recording of, and this happens, I think it's every 20 years around Antarctica and of a giant frequency. So, th- and it always pops up. It's Godzilla. Yeah, it's, it goes, yeah, no, it could be. It's Godzilla. Moving <laughs> in the whole earth. No, but seriously, they, they, they map this sound recording like every 20 years of really? a giant, is- giant thing. Yeah, I bet you it's like a volcano erupting or something, or just bubbling. A volcano it, it's, at the Golden Corral or no, something. No, it sounds bubbling. it sounds like a giant whale. Really? Like they and they think it's like a mile long. That's how big they think this this animal how, is. How big are blue blue whales? I think are two hundred feet. Hundred feet. Dude, they 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 gotta be bigger than that. I'm, I'm pretty I, sure they're like a hundred feet. On. That's so, what Google. But the the ocean. Hey Siri, huge. how big do blue whales get? Yeah, just bring up Siri onto the podcast. Yeah. Now Apple is listening to us, and now they're going to take all of our ideas. That's okay. Good call. The blue whale is a marine mammal, and a baleen whale reaches a maximum confirmed length of 29.9 meters, weighing 199 tons. It is the largest animal to ever ever known to have ever existed. The blue whale's long and slender body can be various shades of grayish blue dorsal at 98 feet. Yeah, so like 100 feet. So, again. Discovered in 1758. That's I mean, kind of recent if you think about it. Yeah. We're a hundred foot animal, you know. Only 60 years, 60, 67 years before yeah. the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. Back but, when uh, George Washington with red hair was still running around. Yeah, exactly. So with yeah, with horse teeth. Yeah. Good old horse teeth just running around. No, Dude, but. My ADD is going crazy I know it today. is. You're freaking out. That's okay, yeah. though. But no, I, I think that there are so many different examples of things that happen in the ocean that we have no idea what's going on depths that we can explore definitely and things that people have seen out there where they're like that's weird there's something going on good old horse teeth yeah that's nice i want some horse teeth um but it all kind of gives us and especially me and like an idea saying like okay there's some weird stuff that we don't know there's some big things that we know that we still can't find why can't these other animals but there's also some giant hide. things that exist that we know exist exactly. and are still alive today yeah. hint whales yeah. blue whales sperm whales yeah. baleen whales humpbacks yeah. freaking units and those things can dive the depths of thousands of oh, feet and we sperm lose them. whales yeah and we lose them why can't there be another thing that is even deeper that we don't know about and i think that it's very very possible i got an idea okay let's hear it let's go find a sperm whale okay let's strap a couple of gopros to it okay and send it down i'm in yeah. We can get ourselves a bathysphere. Do you know what a bathysphere is? No. A bathysphere was created by uh, Captain BB, which surprisingly... All right, so <laughs> a little, little, little history into... Uh, into sounds, like, sounds like he works at a specific kind of a bar in Key West. Kind Captain, of. Captain BB. So little little history back into uh, Family Morton. My family um, was one of the original settlers of Bermuda, and they lived in his house. He created the bathysphere, which was this giant like bowl thing that you could send down to the ocean so they could study stuff. He created a diving helmet and all this stuff. And yeah, so Captain BB. Yeah, Captain what, BB. What year was this, give or take? Um, I think is it this was... Googleable? Yeah, you could. Yeah, for pull sure. Him up. Pull, yeah. See if you can um, pull up Captain BB. It was like the 1700s. I Dang believe. it. Yeah, 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> is so. that him right there? Yep, that's him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a, a toy so. cat character. Yeah. So, but anyway, so this is all documented. I have the documentation. Seven terabytes of documentation. No, but like, yeah, that's just one thing. We all know, though, this is real. So, yeah. Like I said, when we first started on this road, this is the one that I believe 
100% there are large things mm-hmm. down there that we have not seen yeah. or discovered yet. Yeah. How much of the ocean takes up the surface of the earth? Was it 70%? It's like 70%. Yeah. So that's more, we don't even know what all's on land yet. Mm-hmm. So so take the Amazon jungle, blow it up, yeah. make it double the size, and basically make it part of the ocean. We haven't discovered it. We haven't even discovered it on land. Mm-hmm. What makes us think that we can discover it 5,000 feet below the surface yeah. of the earth? So this is this is definitely the most believable. I don't even know if you can call this a conspiracy. Oh, it's all real. Yeah, it's all real. I have the documentation. Yeah. The giant the giant octopus definitely freaks me out though. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Have you ever done any like research on the um Sea of Cortez in Mexico? Uh no, I don't so think so. So this somewhat fits along with the so so the island that I was telling you about uh before we started this. It's called Guadalupe Island. See. Have you heard of that? Uh, that's yeah, like the, that's like yeah. Uh, see, see, yeah. I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. What does that mean again? Why, why, or something? I don't know. Maso menos. Yeah, Maso menos was like yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like I know a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I don't speak Spanish. Uh, Guadalupe Island is that famous, basically rock that sits off the coast of Mexico. I don't know. It's like a thousand miles or mm-hmm. something. It's probably not that far. But where they do the great white shark studies. Mm-hmm. So that's like a breeding area for whatever reason. Um, it has a lot of seals on it. It has a lot of birds, um, things along those lines. It's a stopping point for migratory birds. So there's a good supply of – basically it sits kind of in the Pacific, kind of in the Sea of Cortez area. The Sea of Cortez has like the highest concentration of Humboldt squid. Humboldt squid kill people. Yeah. Like they're, they're not huge, but they're my yeah. size, your yeah. size, with longer tentacles. So maybe – 10 feet long with the tentacles and everything, mm-hmm. super powerful. Yeah. So guys fish for Freaking those beast. things. Yeah, they, they they fish them and they catch yeah. them. Obviously, it's a commercial fishery there. But the Sea of Cortez to me is is a crazy place. It's not as deep as mm-hmm. – but, it's on, again, it's on the Pacific side, so it's yeah. kind of a – it's a deep point. But the amount of sharks and the amount of squid that are there, terrifying place. Yeah. Terrifying place yeah. to be. But, yeah, Guadalupe Island, that was the one I couldn't remember, where mm-hmm. they, they've – all the biggest great whites that they've ever found – have been in Guadalupe Island. Yeah. They found one Mary that was like its its circumference was like twenty feet around. It yeah. had the biggest belly. They think she was pregnant when they first saw her. And they they've been tracking that mm-hmm. animal and it's been basically from that side of the world, the United States, they've gotten on all the way up in Maine and yeah. like in the northeast to Newfoundland, like all these crazy areas. Yeah. Like these things go everywhere. Oh yeah, they move for sure. So, so yeah, <clears throat> it's uh, very interesting. And I think that that also too, like the fact that they there is so much area for them to move around. Like if it, there's a bigger version of it, it's going to move around even more. Oh yeah, you know. So well, anything else? No, I think that's it. That's but, it. Yeah, I'm going to do the sign off again. Yeah. Okay. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah. You feel Merry the Christmas. animal. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited hey, about Christmas. If you liked this, uh, like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications so you get notified every time we do a new episode. Again, thanks for watching. Uh, we really appreciate it. We have a blast doing this. Hopefully you have a blast listening to it. If you like it, like it. And share it. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Yeah. Beep-bop-boop. Beep-bop-boop.